Away or bleed it out. Woo! Yes, people, it is your second installment of our special edition Echo Chamber, and this time we are looking at Run Boy's 40 Years of Rad. Right, it's a uh, another documentary looking at skateboarding and BMXing in Rumford at the Rob, right? And we also speak with director Matt Harris. So people, hey, buckle up. This is a rad ride. Okay, horror fans, mark Thursday the 12th of August in your calendars. That is right, because Shudder, AMC Network's premium streamer for horror, thriller, and the supernatural, have announced that the new event series, Slasher, Flesh and Blood, starring horror legend David Cronenberg... Bum, bum, bum. Will exclusively stream on the service in the US, Australia and New Zealand Beginning Thursday, August the 12th With two episodes followed by new episodes streaming each week The series follows a wealthy, dysfunctional family That gathers for a reunion on a secluded island only to learn they'll be pitted against one another in a cruel game of life and death. Ooh. All while being stalked by a mysterious masked killer. Nothing is what it seems, and no one is safe as detention and body count ratchets up. The eight-episode event series stars Cronenberg alongside cast members from previous installments of the slasher franchise in brand new roles including Paula Brancati, Jefferson Brown, Patrice Goodman, Sabrina Gregevich and Christopher Jackot. Right, so um yeah, adding to the cast will also be Rachel Crawford, Jenna Guzan, Sydney Meyer and Alex Ogerola. So um there you have it people. There you have it. You know, slasher flesh and blood is like knives out 
done by John Carpenter and takes the slasher franchise to a new level with a gripping and scary story about family secrets, intrigue, murder and legacy. Um, we're incredibly lucky to have David Cronenberg, an icon of the genre, giving a standout performance as the fearsome, intimidating patriarch of the Galloway family, who sets the tone for the shocking twists, crazy mysteries, and total mayhem that's to come. Shudder members won't want to miss a single episode of this incredible event series, and that is from Shudder General Manager Craig Engler. I mean, yeah, he won't steer you wrong. No, but seriously, everything on Shudder is great. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything I haven't enjoyed yet. So, yeah, I think this will be worth watching. So, people. The 12th of August, mark it down. Oh, people, some more festival information for you. The Etheria Film Night have announced that they will be streaming, right, their 2021 official short films showcase lineup exclusively on Shudder starting from Friday the 25th of June all the way through to the 25th of July. This year's festival, the world's most respected annual showcase of horror, science fiction, fantasy action and thriller films directed by women will feature nine short films and honour the Walking Dead showrunner and executive producer Angela Kang with the 2021 Etheria Inspiration Award given annually to a person in the entertainment industry who has inspired women to pursue careers working in genre film and television. Producer Gail Ann Hard will present the award to Kang with the ceremony included as part of the official Etheria 2021 content streaming on Shudder. The 2021 lineup has come has some of the funniest things we've ever programmed alongside some of the darkest and most disturbing things we've ever programmed. And that is from Etheria Director of Programming, Heidi Honeycott. Mm-hmm. Right, so, um, yeah, she also says, and we're so happy to be screening on Shudder for the second year in a row. Dum-dum-dum. Right, so, um, yeah, people, I mean, do you really want to miss all of this? You know, Gail and Heard says, the Ethereum Film Festival is the preeminent forum showcasing the many talented women working in the genre field. As The Walking Dead's first female showrunner, Angela Kang has proven herself to be a visionary in the horror sci-fi medium, and she is also one of the most talented people working in television today. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, 
you know, and Kang says, as a lifelong fan of horror, sci-fi, fantasy, action and thrillers, I am truly humbled to be in the company of the incredible women of Etheria. Um and who have been honoured over the years with their Inspiration Award, not least the incomparable Gail Ann Hurd. I am on a trail she blazed and loved that Etheria is showcasing new genre films created by women who want to travel the same exhilarating path. So, um, yeah, there you have it, people. It is... Uh, it is going to be coming at you, which uh, should be fun, right, some of those films that will be screening, okay, uh, we've got The Fourth Wall, this is directed by Kelsey Bowling, um, we've got Narrow, directed by Anna Chazelle, have You Will Never Be Back, from Monica Matteo, Booster Strapped from Katy Aaron, uh, Misfits from Kayani Ray Walker, The Grey from Myra Aquino, Paula Votron 500 from Sylvia Concia, Eye Exam from Aslim Clark. And who goes there from Astrid for Vladson? <laughs> you know, so, um, hey, looks like it is going to be a fun uh, festival, people. So go check out the Ethereal website. And remember, it will start Friday the 25th of June, running all the way to the 25th of July, exclusively on Shudder. Okay, horror fans, July is looking to be a great month. If you have Shudder, and if you're a horror fan and you don't, are you really a horror fan? <laughs> That's the question to ask people. So, during July, they uh, will have... Four new premieres streaming on the uh, platform and exclusive films, as well as a bumper collection of classics joining the library. So, with the, um, the new films, the premieres on the 8th of July is the first, and we have Sun hitting the Network. So, in Sun, a mysterious group breaks into Laura's home and attempts to abduct her eight-year-old son, David. The two of them flee town in search of safety, but soon after the failed kidnapping, David becomes extremely ill, suffering from increasing psychosis and convulsions. Following her maternal instincts, Laura commits unspeakable acts to keep him alive, but soon she must decide how far she is willing to go to save her son. It is written and directed by Ivan Kavanagh, um, and it stars Andy Matak, um, Emily Hirsch, 
add Luke David Bloom. So the following week on the 15th of July, we see The Toll. Right, so this is directed by Michael Nadar and it's starring Jordan Hayes, Max Toplin, James McGowan, and Rosemary Dunsmore. And the film is about this when a young woman and her rideshare driver break down on a dark forest road, each sees the other as a threat, a strange phenomena. Begin occurring around them They gradually realise They've become trapped In the world of a terrifying Supernatural being The Toll Man Da 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 Ooh, sounds a bit Ominous, right? Then, on the 22nd of July, we have Kandisha So it is summer break and best friends Emil Benito and Morgana hang together with other neighborhood teens. Nightly they are fun sharing scary stories and urban legends. But when Emil is, abs- is assaulted by her ex, she remembers the story of Kandisha. A powerful and vengeful demon. Afraid and upset, Emile summons her. The next day, her ex is found dead. The legend is true and now Candisha is on a killing spree. And it's up to the three girls to break the curse. This is directed by uh, Julian Mori and... Alexandra Mustilio and it is starring Mathilde Lamus, Samarakand Sadi and Susie Memba. Then on the 29th of July and ending the run of premieres is The Boy Behind the Door. So this is directed by David Carbona and Justin Powell. Right, it is starring Luni Chavis, Ezra Dowie, Kristin Bayer Van Stratton, Scott Michael Foster, and Mitch Hoptman. And the gist of the piece is this. A night of unimaginable terror awaits 12-year-old Bobby and his best friend Kevin when they are abducted on their way home from school. Managing to escape his confines, Bobby navigates the dark halls, praying his presence goes unnoticed. As he avoids his captor at every turn Even worse is the arrival of another stranger Whose mysterious arrangement with the kidnapper May spell certain doom for Kevin With no means of calling for help And miles of dark country in every direction Bobby embarks on a rescue mission Determined to get himself and Kevin out alive or die trying. 
Woo! And, um, yeah, Carbona and Powell also write the piece. So, they're your premieres, but also adding to the ever-expanding library of horror classics is Lake Mungo and Dawn of the Dead, which hit on the 1st of July. On the 6th will be The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, Terror Train and Death Ship. Then on the 7th comes Basket Case 1, 2 and 3. As well as the 74 version of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. On the 12th we have Messiah of Evil, Carnival of Souls, Straight Edge Kegger, Dead and Buried and Blackwater. On the 13th White Girl and Separation. Then on the 19th. She's allergic to cats, they're inside, and sadistic intentions. On the 20th, mass hysteria and rot. On the 26th, it is Etheria, the series, the 2020 edition. Then they remain, faults, and follow. So, people, there is a lot to look forward to in July, but you got to have Shudder to be able to partake. So, what are you waiting for, people? Go get some Shudder into your life. Yo, something that people missed in 2020 were those pop-up cinema screens. But, people, people... Do not worry, 2021, it's a new year, and the screens are back, pop-up screens are delighted to announce their return to London with an enormous season of outdoor cinema, packed with feel-good movies, guilty pleasures, and cult classics that make your film all warm and fuzzy inside. Pop-up screens invite you and your family to indulge in an evening that you won't forget with your loved ones. It's relaxed atmosphere and friendly vibe praised by critics across the country will have you coming back year after year. This year, pop-up screens will span across eight London parks. That's right, people, eight. And open spaces over three months Launching on Oh shit My birthday The 9th of July At Coram's Fields With the fan favourite The Craft Pop-up screens offers films for fans Of all genres Including smash hit musical dramas Such as The Greatest Showman A Star Is Born Bohemity Rhapsody and Rocket Man. For audiences wanting nostalgia, fans will be able to revisit fan favourites such as Back to the Future, The Goonies, and Dirty Dancing, um, plus a whole lot more. 
you know, you can uh, join them for a movie or two, and you'll find a great environment along with a bar and some of London's best street food traders. So, the uh, the films that you can enjoy, people. Well, on as I said, starting on the ninth of July at Crom's Fields is the Craft, the tenth. Um, is the greatest showman the 11th bill and ted face the music then over to bishop's park in fulham on the 16th with 10 things i hate about you 17th dirty dancing and the 18th the goonies then it's north greenwich from the 23rd of july for 500 days of summer Greece on the 24th and Back to the Future on the 25th and July ends at Hillfields in Broccoli so on the 30th July is the Goonies and the 31st Dirty Dancing uh, staying on Brockfield um, on the 1st of August it's the Greatest Showman then back to Crom Corman's Fields on the 6th of August. Three films on the 6th with you've got Jojo Rabbit, Pretty Woman, and Ghostbusters. Then Hammersmith, you're not forgotten because on the 13th at Ravens Court Park, you've got Jaws. On the 14th, it's Bohemian Rhapsody. And then the 15th, it's The Greatest Showman. The Guild Hall in the City of London people. On the 16th, um, you've got um, The Greatest Showman. To 17th, you've got Moonlight. On the 18th, you've got Philadelphia. The 19th, it's The Beach. The 20th, it's Dreamgirls. And the 21st of August is Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Then, Hiver Green, people. From the 27th of August at Manor House Gardens, we got Bohemian Rhapsody. On the 28th, it is The Greatest Showman. And then on the 29th of August, it is A Star is Born. But that's not all. So, back to Bishop's Park in Fulham for the 3rd of September. Because it's Rocketman. The 4th, it's A Star is Born. Then the 5th, it's The Greatest Showman. So, then, on the 10th of September... It is back to Hammersmith, so Ravens Court Park, it's Dirty Dancing. On the 11th, it is at Jurassic Park. And the 12th, it is Rocket Man. And it all ends at the Oval in Kennington Park. Right, so 17th of September, it's The Greatest Showman. The 18th, it's Notting Hill. And then the 19th of September, it all closes with a star is born. So you can book tickets and find out more at popupscreens.co.uk. Adult tickets are £14 and those under 12s, it is £9. But remember people, there will still be COVID policies in place. 
But yes, for more information, people, go down and check out popupscreens.co.uk. Okay, people, so now we've had that information, let's get into this week's films. Alright, let's go. I wasn't going to uh, give it a look. There's, I don't know, I, I really don't know why, right? But, you know, I just was like, you know what? Let me, let me check it out, right? So I gave Romboys 40 Years of Rad a look. And, you know, I, I think skating is one of those things for me because I don't skate. Right, I, I, I mean, I, I skate a little bit. Sometimes I'm decent. Other times I am horrible. But skating, man, like it was one of those things I always wanted to do, but I just was bad. I was so bad. And skateboarding, I, I could not stand on a skateboard. Right, could not stand on a skateboard to save my life. I just flew in the air every time I did. So, um, yeah, it is, it is, it's one of those things, you know. It's interesting to watch. Like, I like shows like Betty and, um, you know, the, st- the myriad of skate documentaries and stuff that you come across. But, yeah, I just can't do it. Can't do it myself. But, you know, this... It's an interesting piece, right? I, I, th- I think it's an interesting piece. It, it's got its ups, it's got its downs, you know? But, uh, yeah, it's an interesting story. So it's from director Matt Harris. This is actually his first feature piece. So um, he worked on it with uh, Susan Brand to create the uh, the story itself um Harris also produced and he handled the cinematography right did a little editing um you've got Fernando Martinez doing the music um Matt Robson is um also he second unit director Art department is Mark Allum. Um, sound is Kieran Harris. Um, yeah, you've got a, a few other. There's a few other people involved in the whole, in the whole production. On, um, let's have a look. So Lucy Emma Harris is executive producer. Um, yeah, Will Berridge, he mixed the sound, you know, so you, you have those people, and our cast, well, our cast is a, a mix of, yeah, a bunch of reprobates who found a passion in skating, so we have Lance Mounting, right, he's a member of the the Bones Brigade, you know, is a, a, a US skate skate team and all of that. 
Andy Ruffle. He's an 80s TV presenter. And he used to go down and BMX at the park. We've got John Balter Jeans. Uh, Bob Harrow, who's a uh, founder of Harrow Bikes. Right, did some stunts in E.T. And yeah, he's known as the godfather of BMX freestyle. Maximilian Cooper. Founder of Gumball 3000. Um, you've got Zach Shaw. You know, another BMX rider. Um, we've also got Tim Altick, who's a skateboard, skate park designer. And he designed ROM. Uh, as well as um, to London Police, who are... A, a graffiti art team, yeah, English but based out of uh, based out of Amsterdam. Yeah, so we have uh, yeah, they're uh, they're our main cast in the piece. We've also got Ian Balden, who's an academic who also skates. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's everyone involved, essentially. Uh, now, the the gist of the piece, I, I think you're probably wondering. So, built at the end of the 70s, the world's only historically recognised skate park in England, not as you might think in the birthplace of skateboarding California. In a suburb of London sits Britain's answer to Dogtown, the hallowed birthplace of skateboarding in the US, Romtown, um, as it is affectionately named by the locals, was one of the first skate parks in the UK to be built and with its unique architectural features was granted historical status by English Heritage in 2014. Covering the park's history from 1978 with archive footage and photography along with interviews and stunning action footage of some of the world's current top skaters and riders, Rum Boys is the first time a feature documentary on this unique subculture has been made from a uniquely British perspective. When a devastating fire occurs during the middle of filming, uh, we experience the struggle to try and keep the park open. As skateboarding approaches its debut at the 2020 Olympics, will the park survive to nurture a new generation of riders and skaters, or is it too little, too late? The film looks at the wider influence the skate world has had on UK urban culture from street art to fashion, music, graffiti, uh, with interviews some of the world's biggest names in skate, BMX and street art from the past and the present. So yeah, there you have it. I mean... Uh, not so. I I I don't really know about the whole look at urban culture. You know, I don't know if it really. You know, we don't really get into that. You know, um, 
Music is slightly mentioned, fashion slightly, but there's no deep dives. There's more on graffiti though, right? It it, it really touches on graffiti more than anything. And then it's, uh, you know, the, the skating and the BMXing is at the front. So they're the three kind of focuses here with this piece. And it's funny because, you know, looking at the park and everything like that, right, we start off with um, Ian Borden talking about it and skate parks and everything like that. Uh, and just how it came about, it's a crazy, crazy thing. It's like, you know what I mean? They, they started just building it. Without really knowing. You know what I mean? Without really knowing what the fuck they were doing. So we learn all about this. It, it would have been interesting. Because, you know, we, we hear that the, the guys went out to America. Looked at parks. Then came to look and replicate. Which is fine. We don't know why... These things, why these things in the park are so significant, right? Because you know you've got the 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 clover leaf and mobile moguls, maybe I don't know. Um, there's, there's, there's these different things, these different elements of the park, but why they're so great, you know? I, I it would it would have been good to hear about that. Because some of it all looks a bit the same. You know, that hole looks a bit like that hole. So, you know what I mean? Like, why are they... You know, why are they there? What do they do? What's the What's the purpose? What can you do on this which you couldn't do on a ramp? You know what I mean? Like, that would have been really interesting to find out. But we do kind of... Have uh, this different kind of look at the culture, and it's interesting because you have some people that are, are, are really like, ah, yeah, you know, it's cool, like this American thing, and blah blah blah. And then you have other people who are a bit like, yeah, you know, that that wasn't really it. It's funny because you know, Lance, um, Lance Mountain, right? I he he really. Dispels the myth of people going and emptying pools and skating. He's just like, yeah, you know, it might have happened a bit, but it wasn't the norm. Right? And I think it's always interesting to get that insight. While you then have on the flip Dion Penman, who, you know, English guy. But you can see he definitely was all about that. Oh, I want to be... Part of this thing, and he's like, Oh, and oh, one time we actually went to LA and emptied a pool. So, you know, what I, mean? I think he was just eager to do a thing that he'd heard about, you know, but it would seem that that wasn't actually the norm, you know. But we get these different insights with all these people that go to the skate park. Um, it's funny when they talk about the whole listing thing, because, right, you you have the uh, the the uh, Ian Borden saying that oh they 
contacted people at English Heritage contacted him to ask if you know they've uh, they were thinking of listing a park and they were thinking of doing one but you know it's harrowed right one and I'm kind of like is it like he's no harrow's the wrong one and I'm a bit like Oh, I mean, it worked out great for Rom, <laughs> but you can imagine the people at Harrow a bit like, wait, hold on, I, we, we wouldn't have minded our part being listed, but then you have to wonder to yourself as well, why only list one, you know, it, it's that weird one, it's not like English Heritage will only list one church. I mean, there's loads of churches and cathedrals and the like that are listed. So why only list one park, right? I don't know. It's it's a it's a yeah. It's a funny decision, right? and that's not really answered. It's intriguing though, but you know we see all of this, and it's interesting. So it's the the Greenwoods. They've been running the park since, basically, its inception. Like, you know, six months in, it's not doing well. You know, so they take it over without really any understanding or knowledge of it. And I think that really does kind of answer some of the questions, though. Right? Because... We we learn that that the park is struggling a bit financially, but then there's other parts of the piece, and people are talking and being like, "Oh yeah, so there's no signs to tell you what this is, you know, you just kind of stumble upon it, and it's a bit like, well, that 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 could be one reason, you know, people aren't going, and then even um, I think Harris talks about going. And, you know, just there's just been these old guys there. And you just think to yourself, well, I can see why there's no young people there. Because, I, I mean, if you, if a young, if a kid, a small kid turns up and it's just these old guys hanging around, that's going to be a little disconcerting. But then also, you, you need to kind of advertise these things. You know, so it's interesting. But you then see the things that they're trying to do, right? Trying to do to get it out there a bit more. So, you know, utilizing graffiti and street art, which is uh, pretty cool, right? And then there's sculptures and there's all of these different things. But I think the biggest thing that really comes out through this documentary is the camaraderie between everyone. Everyone involved, they just, they all seem to have this kinship, this love of the park and the skating and how it all just, I don't know, had such an impact on their lives. Right? And I think that's, it's it's a thing that really rings true, you know, it, it's funny when you hear them talk, right, because I think you can, 
hear that same conversation in, in a lot of different things, right? When you go into a lot of these other kind of sports, like you've heard people say similar stuff about boxing and jujitsu, karate, and just, just you know, you, you picture it, people will talk about that thing in the same reverence, you know, like how it helps you. And and I think that's important. And that in itself really does speak to why something like this should be saved. You know, should be kept around. Because if it can do that for these people, you'd imagine it you should be able to do it for a younger generation. And especially with these things getting more emphasis now so becoming an olympic sport that's a big one because i think when there is nothing that you can potentially do with something you do see it die off a little right because it just then becomes well yeah i can do it in my spare time but ah, i need to concentrate on this other stuff but once things get certain platforms you do see them grow you definitely see them grow. So I, I think that is something that could probably happen with skating and BMXing. And uh, Rom, you know, could definitely benefit from that, you know. But who knows, right? Who knows? It's, I don't know, it, 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 it's a little... It's, it's a little strange in some contexts. But you have just all of these... The, like, the guy's just talking about the park. But then you wonder, like... How did they promote it? Right? How did they promote it to people? To get more people interested... Right, that's what I I would have uh, been interested to find out, you know. But uh, yeah, there, there's definitely a love that comes across here with the piece. So I think whether you're a skater or not, whether you ride BMX, um, you 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 see from these people what it meant to them. You know, it, it's not a dog town right it it might not be that but still in itself it's this interesting look at you know life from these people's point of view you know and all of that does you know it, it paints a picture right um matt harris said right generally considering the outsiders or oddballs, skateboarders, and by extension BMX freestylers, worldwide are generally viewed as being on the fringes of the more traditional sports. Traditionally associated with Californian beat culture, there has never been a feature documentary that has taken an inside look at the first generation of these sports in the UK. The US breakout documentary Dogtown and the Z-Boys was the first film that really opened up this world to a wider audience. Whereas Dogtown was based in a seaside suburb of Los Angeles, 
Rom Town, as it is affectionately dubbed by the locals, could not be located anywhere more different. Based in a suburb of East London, Havering is considered one of London's poorest boroughs, with rural Essex to its east and gritty East London to the west its location for one of the world's most unique skate parks is nothing if not totally bizarre the skate park itself is a concrete monolith built during the boom years of the skateboarding craze in 1978 somehow against all odds it has survived gentrification development and 40 British winters to become the world's only full-size skate park that has any sort of official historical recognition. And I think you, you can see it means a lot to Matt as well. You know, so everyone involved in this, you know, they're, they're bringing a little bit of themselves. So I, I think if you're just... If you're interested in skating, then I think this, yeah, this might mean a little something to you. If you live in the area, then, hey, you might remember it. You might recall it. But, yeah, the park is struggling. So, I think this this could definitely help um, shed some light on it. So, people, it is playing right now. At the Romford Film Festival. Today is the first day. So. If uh, if it sounds like something. You might want to check out. Yeah go do that. In the episode details. We've got the trailer. And we've got all the web links. The website. You know there's socials. So go check it out. Go follow them all. And um, hey maybe. You're going to pick up some boards. Some skates or a bike and uh, have a little, you know, floaty around a half pike or whatnot yourself. But people, Rum Boys, 40 years of rad. It's now out, so enjoy. Okay, people, so you've had the dock. Now let's get to um, our conversation with Matt. Right, Matt Harris, it's his feature debut and he will break down why he made this and um, what it means to him. So people, you'll want to listen to it. Let's go. Okay, so I'm here with Matt Harris, the director and producer of Rum Boys, 40 Years of Rad. So, Matt, this is your first feature piece. I mean, how was that? You know, a little bit daunting, like, you know, I mean, what, what was the impetus to uh, have this as your first? I, I guess I've... I've... You know, I've kind of worked in the in the business for a long time, mostly doing commercial stuff, documentary for TV. I was shooting a, a one day thing yesterday and I've always had, you know, someone over my shoulder telling me what to do and how to do it. 
and I wanted to do something where I had sort of complete control. I've always wanted to do that, really. I never found a story. And, you know, with, with this story, it was, a, it was a kind of personal story that I thought, actually, this might be that opportunity to, to take complete creative control over, over something. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, was, it ended up being way more uh, daunting and time consuming than I had planned. <laughs> Oh man, um, but maybe a little less, a bit easier and not as dangerous as uh, skateboarding or, or, or BMXing. <laughs> well, well, I don't know, because I had to, you know, like when I, when I sort of started on it, I thought, well, if I'm going to interview these guys, I've got to sort of show that I know what I'm talking about. So I picked up a skateboard again after 35 years of not being on one. And yeah, sure enough, within two weeks, I had a fractured shoulder. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> Which I can still feel now. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, you really get some battle wounds there, man. <laughs> I, 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 I could just never, I could never skate. I, I just one of those things. Like, I, I see friends do it. But every time I just put my foot on that board and it just, poof, you know what I mean? Just went flying. It just, yeah. it skating just did not go hand in hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I think I think now after sort of five years, I'm probably better, actually. I was, I was always rubbish, but I think I'm probably a bit better than I was back then even now, you know? <laughs> so, and I'm 50, I'm 51. <laughs> Oh man, but you know, a, a break, it, it's a bit harder at this age than it was back back in the day, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I say it still hurts now. If I bend it now, I'm like, oh, oh my God, what was I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, it, it's interesting because it's like, obviously it, it seems that you started this at one point and then towards the end we get and today and then we get the news like when you started making this piece was there the indication that the park was in this trouble no i mean i i you know when i started it i thought right i'll do six months of of shooting it and then six months of editing it and then it'll be done in a year and i'll have a film and I started and I thought there's all these great characters, you know, and, and personalities that were, that were all great on interviews. And then I went through a second year doing more interviews and I thought, there's, there's no story here, you know, they're all brilliant, but I, can't, I couldn't see a beginning and a middle and an end. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, I've got to just keep going. And, and, and I could, it was struggling, you know, it was kind of the second year you could see financially, it was in a tricky situation and then and, and that's when I thought, well, I'm just going to keep going and keep going. But it wasn't until they had the fire that that was a sort of pivotal point in the, in the story that everything changed. And it was then that I thought, well, actually, now there is, you know, there is more of a, a sort of fight for its survival. And then I think that's when it became a, you know, a proper film. Yeah. So why start? Like, what was the thing to start? Because if, you know, when you were, you're thinking, all right, we'll do six months, boom, boom we have a film like what was the initial fault for what that film would be 
When I went, I, I took my daughter there. It was about six years ago, and I took my daughter on a Sunday. I just thought, oh, I wonder, wonder if Rom's still open. So I went over. Uh, I was like, wow, it is still open, but it was all full of these middle-aged blokes. There was no kids there. And I was like, that's a bit weird. Skate park full of, you know, middle-aged blokes still skating and riding little bikes, you know. And, uh, and then, but they were really friendly and, you know, and I, I could see there was like a sort of community that, because they'd been going there for such a long time. And then, you know, we kept going back every Sunday and then someone said one day, oh, you know, the place is, is listed. It's grade two listed. I thought, what? And, and so I kind of went away and I thought, well, you know, there's these old guys from the 70s, first generation of skaters and BMX riders in this park. And I, and I Googled and I found that, you know, there's no other park that's listed like, in the world. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a run, there's a, like, a concrete run in Australia, like way down into Western Australia that has historic recognition. Yeah. But there's nowhere else in the world. Um, and I thought, well, that's, that's got to be a... There's got to be something in this. Um, and then and then someone said, oh, you've got to speak to Professor Ian Borden from UCL. So I rang him up and he happens to be the world expert on skate parks and, and you know, historic history of skating. And he lives over near you. He's over in Dulwich. And I thought, well, that's not a million miles away. It's not like he's in Venice or anything, California. So, you know, if I need to, I can go over there. And, and so he was the first person that I interviewed. And you know, he's a professor of architecture, so he's very academic. And I thought, well, that's a great start because it's not the typical perception you get of a skateboarder. You'd never associate, you know, this professor is an expert on skateboarding. And so that was it, really. Right. That, so that's why we open up kind of with him. Yeah. You know, as it were, really. Yeah, because I think most, you know, you watch a skateboarding film and it's all kind of gnarly skateboarding at the beginning. And I thought, well, let's go, you know, start with a professor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it wasn't, because I was always one of being like, ah, oh, so can he skate, I wonder? Yeah, because he's talking and I'm just yeah. like, oh, can he skate? You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I was waiting for the moment where we see him do a an ollie or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he does, doesn't he? He's in he's skating the pool in the film, you know. So he's and he's great. He skates. He's there's a skate park at Crystal Palace that he was involved in the design of, and I think he's there every Sunday still. So and he's like, I think Ian's like nearly sixty now. So mm. you know. Yeah, yeah. So. Why Sunday? Like, because we don't really get that. Because they always say, yeah, every Sunday, you know, but what about the, like, I, I was always just wondering, like, what about the other days of the week? Why, why Sunday? Well, I guess same as like Sunday football, right? You know, Sunday football is the weekend and that's when everyone gets out, isn't it? So, I mean, Saturdays, but yeah, Sundays, Sundays is the, you know, people go to church on Sunday, right? So why not go to a skate park? <laughs> possibly yeah possibly <laughs> they never really talk about how much it is either you know it's, been, it's always talking about like oh yeah you have to pay this is one of the other ones you have to pay to I'll pay to go in but yeah. it's just like how much <laughs> like, it's, like, it's a fiver it's a, at the moment it's a it, co it goes up and down depending on i don't know just you know uh, like school holidays they do special deals school holidays yeah. to kind of get the kids in and actually is it father's day this sunday they're doing a special deal like you know that kids bring your dad for free that sort of thing you know <laughs> <laughs> do 
but you know, five pounds, that's not too bad. Like, yeah. considering, right? Yeah. Because when they were talking about, ah, oh, you have to pay, I was like, you know, because there's some things that are, you know, it's a bit pricey, right? Yeah. So it's, it's that, that's your barrier of entry. So sure. it's like, oh, how much? Like, what's the grab, you know, yeah. to, to get people in? Like, yeah. have you, because, I haven't really seen that many skate parks, right? So I know the Crystal Palace and I mm. know there's the South Bank. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I haven't really come across many skate parks, but it's not something I'm kind of looking, yeah. looking yeah. for. But, yeah. uh, you know, for you, what is it about ROM that kind of stands out? Well, there are. I mean, you know, when in the in the seventies when it was built, there were there weren't many. There were like a handful of skate parks, you know, because it was the start of skateboarding, and and a lot of them, you know, they were kind of built, and then the skateboarding craze died off. So seventy eight was the big kind of boom for skate parks being built, and then by like eighty, it was on the decline. So a lot of those were just knocked down and you know replaced by car parks or or flats or whatever, you know. Um, and then it wasn't until probably in the last 10 years or so that the council have started putting up skate parks in pretty much every park you go to, there'll be some form of a skate park, you know, but ROM is, is unique in that they don't build them like that, you know, like the, the, it would never pass council health and safety now, you know, in 1978, they just got a few builders in from Hackney and some shovels and some concrete and, and built them. And, and they're, you know, huge and deep and scary because they're based on the big ones from California. Um, so that's why it's kind of unique in that they just don't build them like that anymore. Yeah, it is kind of interesting, the fact that, you know, councils are putting up skate parks because you went through that weird stage where they were taking away swings and things like that because it's like too dangerous. You know, yeah. we can't have those things about. Even yeah. though as a kid, you you know, you'd go on the swings and you'd be like, I would I would be I've, I've heard of the kid that went all the way around. Can I do it? And you you know, yeah. you fall off, you graze yourself, you know, people knock teeth out, but it's just, you know, it's kind of character building. It toughens you up. Right, yeah. but they took all of that away. But now these skate parks are popping up, which is, is, a, is yeah, an interesting uh, turn of I mean, They all, I mean, a lot of them now. There's one I was, I was just looking at one the other day, and there's a big sign before you go into it. You know, basically saying whatever happens to you is your fault. You know, it's not the council's <laughs> fault, right? <laughs> So you got this waiver, this disclaimer that that's how they get away with it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like with um, you know, skateboarding and BMXing hitting the Olympics this year. Mm. Um, I mean, if if it does go ahead, that is yeah. like, do you um, like, was that a, a kind of a fault with putting this out now? Like you thought, oh, this might, yeah, be able to ride that wave, as it were. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, like you know, the park is sort of struggling, um, you know, financially still, especially following the fire. You know, it kind of needs investment, it needs funding, and there's a body called Skateboard England that have been established, you know, off the back of the Olympics to try and grow the sport in the country. Um, and one of the things that you know they do is that they're going to have a, a series of maybe half a dozen. 
uh, preferred skate parks for, as training grounds for future Olympians. And so we wanted to get this film, or well, I wanted to get this film on the radar of, of you know, the likes of skateboarding and then potential funding to, to say, look, you know, th this place, this incredibly important place historically could be a great, um, you know, place to, to create one of these preferred skate parks and get funding and build new facilities around the old original structure. So, you know, kind of people that aren't really into skateboarding, but just want to see something, you know, like a lot of, a lot of these guys, you know, they're into heritage and want to look at cathedrals and castles. We'll come and look at a skate park, buy a coffee, take some pictures, you know, and, and help, you know, kind of contribute to, to the future of the place really. Yeah, I, I, it does seem that there is a a, a a new kind of wave of that. Like you have shows like Betty, which, you know, from all accounts is very popular. And that's about, you know, skate culture. And uh, there's another one which I can't remember. I remember watching a documentary a couple of years back. Oh, I say a couple of years, time does fly. Might be three or four mm. years at London Film Festival. Um, I think yeah. it's Skate Nation or Skate United, oh, and okay, it's it was a really good. It was it well is about um, roller skating in the, the indoor roller rinks and the fact that they're going away in the states and that kind of thing. Yeah. And it was really interesting. Yeah. But it was like after watching that, it seemed that there was more and more of these things. There was more talk of you know skate culture. So it yeah. does seem that it might be, you know, re-emerging, like the phoenix has risen again, as it were. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I was down in Brighton last week and I, it was really sunny and I was driving through Brighton and I, there was skateboarding everywhere. Like just, you know, every every road, there was kids on skateboards. And uh, yeah, so there's definitely, I think, a resurgence in it for sure. Definitely. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you have everyone on... Um, e-bike like you know e-bikes and scooters and stuff like that so hey why not a skateboard you know what I mean it's, yeah. it's like yeah. it, it's uh yeah. cheaper right yeah 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 no definitely and 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 yeah and good for the environment really and yep. and and health fit, fitness you know really as well oh definitely and and we're all about that right now coming yeah. out of covid yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> how easy was it to to round everyone up to get people to talk well that was i mean that's part of the reason that i sort of I, I spent time learning to skate again um because i would go i'd go to the park and i'd just get to know everyone so i thought you know if i just kind of turn up and you know just start filming it's not the same as if you know people so yeah. You know, kind of after, so it wasn't, it wasn't until six months later that I actually pulled the camera out and started doing interviews. And everyone by then knew me, you know, because I've been going, they knew what I was thinking of doing. And so it was, and, I, and I, a lot of people have said you kind of get that when you watch it, you see there is a sort of, you know, authenticity to the interviews. It's not like they're all, you know, it's not like a professional media trained person you're interviewing. Um, and so I wanted that. Um, and then, yeah, so it was quite easy. I mean, from, from there, but the problem was, it was like, then I'd interview someone and they'd go, oh yeah, you've got to go and speak to so-and-so and so-and-so. And, -so. and so that was, I just had to get this, you know, kind of the interview list of people just got longer and longer and longer. Um, but they were all great, you know, like no one that I interviewed isn't in the film. So okay, you know, they all had a part in it, you know. 
Uh, and like putting it all together, right? Mm. Because everyone always says a film is made in the in the editing room. Mm. So, like, was it clear to you that the narrative of the film, right? How it was going to flow together, and what what needed to be cut, and anything else that might need to be shot. Like, was that all clear, or did it take a few run through? I, well, over over the years, I kind of created like little mini films just to kind of so that I knew, you know, there were like these little stories. So in my head, it was always, well, all, all I got to do really is just combine all these little stories together into a bigger thing. So, right. Yeah. So so it wasn't if I'd have just started it completely um, from scratch, I think it would have been very difficult. But because I kind of had in my head, you know, all right, we've got the people, we've got the fire and then we've got the accidents and then we've got the sort of community and the art stuff and it was just how I kind of structured it around that. Uh -huh. Okay yeah and has everyone there seen the piece are they how do they all feel about it? Yeah they love it yeah I mean we, we did a um, you know because of Covid we, we actually had a world premiere in Paris uh, a skate and film festival which oh, was in October last year, which I actually drove over to and then had two weeks of quarantine afterwards. But it was <laughs> worth it to get to see it in a cinema. Yeah, and then yeah. and then a week later, we did a drive-in at ROM, drive-in screening, um, which was cool. And everyone loved it there. Um, and then, so this Romford Film Festival is going to be the first time people can get to see it in a cinema, hopefully. I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the news is today or, you know, it changes <laughs> by the minute almost, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it, it does. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's really good. So are you looking to take it to more um, festivals or are you going to hopefully screen it at any um, yeah, I, games, events and things like that? Yeah, actually, yeah, I just actually I got an email yesterday from someone that there's a there's a um, an exhibition on at Somerset House, a skateboarding exhibition, and someone said, yeah. you know, do you want to show it at the cinema there in probably September time? So we're going to talk about that. Um, it just got into another film festival in San Francisco this morning. I got a message about that. Nice. So I don't know. I'd like to go there, but I don't know what the deal is with that at the moment. But yeah, there's a few. There's about actually it's playing at one in Brighton as well. There's a few that's lined up to hopefully go into this year. Um, so, yeah. Oh, that's that's great, man. So, I uh, unfortunately I know it's a very tight window with this. So, Matt, let everyone know where yeah. they can uh, follow, you know, follow the film and follow yourself. Yeah, you can. Uh, the film's on. Um, you can follow the website is romboys.film. You can actually watch it now on video on demand on Apple iTunes or on Amazon or any of those. Um, you know, TVOD, uh, video on demand platforms. And yeah, and that's romboys.film is probably the place to to uh, to watch it. Cool. And to, is to there follow any the story behind it? Yeah. And is there any way of, you know, if people want to help the, the ROM itself? Yeah, there's a the website romskatepark.co.uk. There's a new one being built at the moment. Um, hopefully going to have some sort of 
uh, way to donate or to certainly find out you know more about that sort of stuff and all the social media as well for rom boys and rom skate park on instagram and facebook is is good to get kind of updates really on, on what's going on there that's great man awesome thank you brilliant yeah thanks for your time thank you and, um, yeah, yeah i i i hope that um yeah you, you know all, all the festivals you you have a lot of success with that you know what i mean the, the olympics and all of that really help invigorate people with this whole skateboard craze and um yeah the rom can find a new lease of life yeah awesome all right well thanks thanks for your time no worries man when you've got um another project stop by and yeah a bit longer to talk about the whole process and get into things a little bit more yeah brilliant all right thanks all right. a lot thanks man. take it easy bye, -bye. bye. bye. Okay, people. So um, there you go. Rob Boy's 40 years of rad. And um, this film is also showing at the Runfield Film Festival, which seems extremely fitting, right? So um, it will be playing tomorrow, the 24th of June at 9.25. So, um, yes, people, the link is in the episode details. So book your tickets, check it out. You know what I mean? It's not dog boys, but it is a look at the culture of your know, extreme. So I think you might enjoy it, people. Hey, it's also available on all your favorite VODs. So also, hey, if you missed the festival, you can't make it, you can still watch the film. It's on, you know, Amazon, just all of those pe people. So, um, yes, there you go, people. Rob Boy's 40 Years of Rad. Check it out. Have fun. <laughs> Live that life, baby. Live that life. All right, peace.